This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Oh, we got a lot to do inside this edition of the show. We'll talk Rangers, we'll talk basketball, and we'll talk about you going back to see games. That's next. Can't wait to talk to you at 1-800-919-3776. Can't wait to hear from you on Twitter via at Hardest to ESPN, at Gordon Damer, at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Along with Jake the Snake and Brian, along for the ride, we're here until midnight. Hey, Gordon, how are you? I'm doing better than a lot of Ranger fans, I think, tonight, Larry. Yeah, this was a tough one for them. And, and Gordon, here's the thing. I'm watching, <laughs> I'm watching this game. And all of a sudden, I see the Bruin goalkeeper skate off in the 2-2 game. I'm like, is he trying to get to the showers early? Doesn't want to do post-game interviews? <laughs> like, what was going on? Where, where are you going? Where are you going? So they're waving back. They're waving back. The Rangers get to overtime. And then, obviously, um, he, made some great, he made some great saves in that game, Rask did, to, to shut them down. Uh, Gordon, this is another tough loss for the Rangers. It seems like they're collecting them so far this year. You know, they had that stretch to open the year, and then it seemed like maybe they were getting things righted a little bit, and now they've kind of gone back to the same old thing. Yeah, it's it, it's unfortunate, and I feel bad for them. It's it's once again, it's they have this slim margin for error, Gordon. It's just like they play well, they play well, but they find the ways to lose, especially late in the game. Now tonight they were able to get a game tying goal in the third period, so I thought, oh, you know what? Hey, here's here's an opportunity for them to steal one against. Gordon, a very hot Boston Bruins team right now. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I was watching the Nets tonight. I was not really focused on the mm-hmm. Rangers all that much. And you know me, I'm not a big hockey yeah. fan. But it does not seem like the coach has a lot of support from the fan base. That's just no. the one thing I noticed. I, and maybe it's just the close losses, right? They blame that on coaching or whatever. But it does mm-hmm. not seem like uh, David Quinn is uh, it has endeared himself or has some some reservoir of goodwill with Ranger fans, because it seems like a lot of them, they put it mostly on him, and they see this team as being ultra-talented mm-hmm. and not living up to that talent. Yeah, and they're unhappy with some of the decisions he's made. And then, of course, in his post-game presser, we heard with uh, Dan Grasa, says, oh, by the way, maybe I should have played the fourth line more as I looked at the time. And you're like, oh, that's not what uh, – I appreciate your honesty. Keep that, one, but you keep that one on the inside voice there, you know? Yeah, exactly. I appreciate your honesty, but, uh, you know, that, that that's for inside the room with the assistant coaches. Yeah, <laughs> honesty is not there. always the best policy. No, especially in that situation. And you mentioned the Nets. And last night, Gordon, after a very bad loss, and I understand no Kevin Durant, but that's still no excuse to lose to a to – a, uh, Terrible. Detroit Pistons team that has the worst record in the league. And here was Kyrie Irving waxing poetic last night. I don't think that we go out every single day uh, of our lives and sacrifice the time in order to be average at anything. You know, I know you don't wake up. I know no one here on this call wakes up to be average at anything that they do. Uh, and we look very average. We have the talent that the eye test presents that we should be dominating. You know, we have the experience in terms of some of our guys that have been through certain things, circumstances to be able to battle through. And we're dealing with a lot of the reality that we're putting this together on the fly. Like we we are the team that the NBA put the most games on. We're, we're the team that gets someone taken out during COVID, during the games. We're the team that has to deal with the refs. We're, we're the team that is literally battling against so many odds that at this point it is it's not even a reason to continue to comment on them. They are what they are. And as a warrior that I am and that the energy that I have alongside my teammates, we just have to turn that corner. And we haven't done it yet, but we will. And I'm telling you, the league's going to be on notice when that happens. So just got to take it day by day. And they respond tonight, Gordon, with a 104-94 win over the Pacers. You were invested in that game. What would you say? Well, I mean, look, they just – I mean, first and foremost, they had far better effort than they did the night before, right? Like, we, we say that they shouldn't be losing to the Pistons. It was like that they're – you know, it, it's one thing to let a guy go off on you, right? Like, Jeremy Grant, I think, had 31 uh, yeah. last night. And, and, and it wasn't even like uh, Blake Griffin had some big monster game. So, I mean, their effort tonight was far better. They're far more invested. And I think it kind of goes back to – you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that when they play the better teams – they look like a better team. And when they play the below average, the bad teams, last night the Pistons were terrible. 
they play down to that level of competition. It's like that their interest level, their investment level, they think that they're going to just be able to walk out on the court and their star power is going to be enough to get them the win. There's no reason why the Nets, you can excuse Kevin Durant being, all, that's a terrible loss last night playing the way that they did when this has been the story for a while now. You know, the, the Harden trade is not new. It's almost a month now. And they were one game over 500 when they made the trade. They're now two games over 500. And for Kyrie, ta- listening to him speak, oh, well, you know what? Nobody wants to look average. Dude, you guys look worse than average on defense. You know, defense travels. Well, the lack of defense, that also travels. That's like, <laughs> I mean, that thing's like a rash. It's everywhere you guys go. So uh, they have a lot of work to do. But just listening to Kyrie and almost like the pity party that he was throwing last night, you know, when the going gets tough, man, I, I do kind of – I thought it was a, the right move to make the Harden trade, but you wonder, like, when the going gets tough, are these guys going to respond? The problem with the, with the Harden trade, and, yeah, it was the right move, but they gave up so much, and they gave up a lot of their physicality, Gordon. They gave up a lot of their toughness. And you look at that game last night. I mean, Harden was guarding <laughs> was guarding Blake Griffin. I mean, that's how bad the size matchup was for them. So, And then you listen to Kyrie, as you mentioned, and he's talking about, you know, well, the NBA put us on these games. Listen. Oh, please. Here's the thing. You should want to be seen. You have a great team. It's incumbent upon you guys to get it together and speak to each other and work this out and then lead the rest of them. Here's their problem, Gordon. They know they can score with anybody, and sometimes against the lesser teams, We'll blow them out. Let's just put the ball in the basket. Well, guess what? The lesser teams look to you to say, oh, Brooklyn's in here. Listen, we know we've struggled. Let's beat them because guess what? They don't play defense. So if we can get some scoring, we can be in this game and we'll push them. And nobody expects us expects us to beat them because they're coming out of the East. That's the mindset they have to get rid of. And him talking about battling the odds. You're not the plucky underdogs. You have the the Nets have the second best odds right now to win the NBA championship this year. So I don't know what world Kyrie lives in. I don't know what color the sky is there. And look, some athletes they have to find ways to motivate themselves or whatever it is. But listening to him talk like the Nets have had some, you know, unbelievably tough road to hoe here. I'm sorry, you you lose the benefit of the doubt when you go out and play like you did a night before. Now, tonight, they were invested again, right? Pacers, not that they're a great team, but they're far better, and they came out right away and kind of imposed their will. Third quarter, they kind of hit a little bit of a lull, but they picked it up enough so that they were able to pull out a 10-point win. But I, I think that this is this is clearly an issue for them, not just the defense, like the fact that when they play the better teams, they're invested. And that's why I think you can still have hope that this Nets team will rise to the level of the competition as the season goes along. But at some point, you know, everybody's going to have obstacles you overcome. And for, for the Nets, it seems like a lot of times the obstacles are the ones they put in their own way, playing down to the level of the competition. It's about mental toughness, Gordon. It's about understanding that this is the job we have to do if we want to come out of the east it starts with beating the teams we're supposed to beat because you're not always going to beat the teams that that are right with you and when they the second time around sometimes you face these teams it's a little different so they need accountability they need accountability on defense they need accountability on offense and they need to stretch their their roster a little bit so you can find out when you when these guys rest and go to the bench you need to find out who the score is going to be and where they can steal some points while you're resting these guys because I see some Kyrie days off in the future, and I know, listen, a lot of respect for James Harden because he normally doesn't take days off, but with the minutes he's putting in and what he's having to do, I mean, yeah, look, 36 minutes tonight in a blowout game. I mean, 36 minutes. Yeah, and I mean, it was a far bigger blowout early on. I mean, I think they scored, what, 42 points after halftime. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they they, they still have some work to do with the roster, and – you know, when they get Durant back, I think that that t- sure. it just kind of shows you that the Durant, he, he's the one that stirs mm-hmm. the drink, right? Like yep. when he's playing, it's a different team generally, and uh, they need to get him back on a consistent basis and, and, and get some consistency just overall in terms of roles for guys, in terms of the lineup day in and day out. You know, it feels like, you know, you bring in Harden, Irving's gone, you know, he goes on off in his own thing, Durant's missing time. 
they just got to get a little stability. Absolutely. And we'll see. We'll keep an eye on them as they trudge their way, Gordon. Oh, <laughs> to, uphill. You know, both ways. The little oh, engine the that could. <laughs> and Gordon became official this afternoon. Governor Cuomo indicating that venues with a total capacity of over 10,000 people will be allowed to reopen for in-person events with a 10% capacity limit. That will begin, as far as we're concerned, on February 23rd. Both the Knicks and Nets are home. And, of course, on the 26th, the Rangers will uh, be able to have folks back into the garden. All attendees will be required to test negative for COVID-19 through a PCR test. Within 72 hours of the event, mask, social distancing, temperature checks will be required, and assigned seating will also be required. And uh, venues holding events must collect contact information from attendees to aid contact tracing efforts, and they must also meet air filtration, ventilation, and purification standards. So the long and short of it is, uh, obviously, we've, we've heard about it. The players have talked about it. You heard the Ranger uh, players talking about it today. They'd love to get fans back in the building. Obviously, you want to get fans back in the building. You love that. That kind of brings a bit of normalcy back to what we have here. But, Gordon, let's be honest. It's not normal. We've just gotten word today from the CDC that, it might be better for you to wear two masks instead of one. It's a 90% chance of blocking uh, more of the droplets that can come from people that you can uh, get that to, you know, get the COVID-19 virus. And so at this point, are we ready to really open these stadiums back up indoor and eventually in a couple of months outdoor in this area? Well, I will say this. Uh, while I personally, myself, I don't think that I feel comfortable at this point attending an indoor event. You know, when we get to baseball season, that might be a little bit different. But an indoor event, I don't think that I would feel comfortable at this point uh, attending one of those. I would just simply ask, and maybe this is not the right question to ask, how exactly are they going to manage this? Hmm. I mean, how you're talking about when they're going to get this information from people and that information from people where it doesn't really seem like the majority of people, or maybe I shouldn't say majority, but there's certainly a large minority of people that are just kind of doing whatever they want to do anyway. So, I, I look, I think it's just this, everybody's just kind of following their own set of rules, and it's just whatever you want to do on that day. So I will say that from the other stadiums that have opened it up to fans so far, right, it doesn't seem like there's been any spread from that, although I don't know if anybody's really doing that research at all. But I would just simply wonder how it, you, know, you, you see Yankee playoff games. Sometimes you get in there in the third inning because of the lines outside. I get it, it's only going to be 10% of people. But getting all this information to, to get into the stadium, uh, it just seems like uh, it's, it, it's going to be a, a lot to undertake. I hope that we can get back to normalcy as soon as possible. And this is one step. I mean, we're coming up on a year, right? Yeah. So it would be great to see some fans back in the stands. I'm sure for the athletes, it would be great to have a little juice back in the building. But I, I would just question how they're, they, if, if they're, if, uh, I better not. If the state manages it the way the state has managed other things so far, I'm not exactly holding out high hopes. The concern I have, Gordon, much like you, and, and you watch football games that you've had where fans were in the stands. They're sitting together. There's no social distancing <laughs> no. with the fans. There, there, there's rows of fans. Now, I get it. And, and of course, suppose, they're supposed to have assigned seating. And where are they going to spread them out? Is it going to spread out to lower bowl? Will they will they be courtside seating at the Garden the way there is in Atlanta where LeBron James had his situation? Uh, you know, wh wh how are they going to do this? As you mentioned, what how are, are you coming in the same area? Are people going to come in one area of the Garden, a different area depending on uh, out name? How are they going to do? That? How are you going to exit the Garden? How, yeah, I mean, that's you, the one that cracks you, me up is, yeah. is, is the exiting, right? Like, yeah, sure, it's all well and good because people arrive for a game at different times, but the game ends for everybody at the same time. So is, right. is everybody that's just right. going to be, all right, game's over, everybody out. Yeah, exactly. And in this scenario, you know, from the Garden forever, they, turned, they used to have the escalators working going down when you leave. Mm -hmm. They have long since stopped that. So now you're going to have people walking – next to each other as they go down. I've, and and once again, the question is, how are you going to uh, limit that? Are you going to limit people from going to certain areas of the garden? Are you going to limit when they go to the concessions? Will, will the concession people not come to your seat if you're down courtside? 
Will you have to go to them? Yeah, there's just so many questions, and, and you're putting a lot of pressure on security and on fo- officials to make sure that you not only follow the rules, stay in your seat. And Gordon, I would love to have that conversation with a person after they've had several adult beverages about keeping your mask on. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes it's even before the adult beverages are, are taken in that they have uh, some issues with that. So, uh, well, look, I, I want life to be back to normal. I want to see games even on TV with fans in the stands because, you know, it, it, it obviously we've, we've all missed it and it provides a different buzz to the, the game, right? A lot of times these games seem flat. I think they've yeah. done as well as they can to try to, to keep the energy level up, but it would definitely, I think, help the overall product. But uh, whether or not I personally would be ready to go back, I am not ready to go back. We're, we're cardboard cutout done, aren't we? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, look, I mean, I think it's, it's – I do think that there is a visual aspect of it, right? Like, mm-hmm. it does look – even now, it still looks flat on TV when you're watching a game and there's no fans in the stands, so you do the best you can – um, I know last year in baseball, they try, didn't Fox try to like superimpose fans yeah. in the stands for a little while? Yep. I don't know. I, I, I would love to be able to see some fans back, even if it's only 10,000, even if it's only 2,000, whatever it is for which building. But I, I, I don't know necessarily that, uh, you know, I'm expecting. Imagine the process that it will take to get into that building and out of mm-hmm. that building. Boy, you mm-hmm. are really going to have to want to go back to a game to, to want to deal with that. And who's going to go back? I mean, I guess season ticket holders will have first choice, I would assume. I would think, yeah. Yeah, and, and what game do they decide? And, and who gets to – what, the first one to call in gets it? I mean, how, how does that process go? And 1-800-919. <laughs> exactly. And I'm with you. I, I would feel more comfortable baseball-wise, outside, sure. open air. I, I can deal with that. And even I'm concerned about that. Foul ball gets over there. Okay, no, you can't go with that now. Only the people in this area can go after the foul ball. Um, uh, does that mean we can't go down and, and get autographs anymore? We're not doing anything? I mean, no. it's just so many logistical yeah. nightmares. I'm sure and- they will not allow that. You know, you thought there was a moat at the stadium before. Now there's really going to be a moat <laughs> at the stadium. <laughs> exactly. And what about indoor hockey? Gordon, I mean, the, the, we just heard the Rangers game Sunday postponed with, with, with um, you know, the Flyers because of the issues that they've had in, in, with some of the teams. So now, you know, you bring fans in, hope – Hopefully, that huge garden air filtration system will be humming because uh, you'll need it. You'll need it with the folks in there. Even just 10%, Gordon, you still need to have that air circulating through there. Yeah, and look, I don't want to sound like, you know, negative Nancy where I don't want I, – I want it to be back to normal. I want yes. it to be like it was before. And, and any small part of that would be great. But I have to be honest, sometimes it, fe- it feels like that uh, the Drew Carey show, uh, Whose Line Is It Anywhere, yeah, where they, yeah. they make up the points and they don't matter anyway. Sometimes it feels like a lot of the rules that are being put in place, it's just based on whatever people are feeling like that day, and that's the ones that they're going to follow. Yeah, I agree. And once again, just, just laying out both sides of the issue, Gordon, people are going to go. Look, people are going to do what they want to do anyway. They're gonna, if they want to go, they're going to go. But just to keep in mind, there's so many other things that you have to think about here. Are you going to wear your double mask? You got to wear double mask. Is it going to be worth it? Here's the bottom line, Gordon. Is it going to be worth it for you to go see a game, to go through everything you have to go through when you can just sit at home and watch it like you've been sitting at home watching it until it gets better? Uh, you know what? Also, I was wondering, right? Like you're saying only 10% of fans are going to go to games. So we're talking about, you know, Yankee game, which is not a cheap endeavor. If you're going no. to a Yankee game, you know, the – the tickets might be okay if you can get a cheap ticket, but if you go and you're getting food, you're getting this, you're getting that. What's the parking going to be? Because the parking yeah. wasn't cheap before. If they got to make, they're only getting ten percent of the cars. Are they going to jack up the price of the parking now too? I would think so. Take out because... a mortgage before you show up there. <laughs> Absolutely, because see you on the six. Yeah. <laughs> see you on the four train that packed yeah. at the stadium. I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that either. So that's another option that you have to go through. Yeah, a lot of lot of lot of hoops, a lot of hurdles to jump over. I don't know. Absolutely. What do you think? Are you going back to the garden, to Barclays, Nassau Coliseum? Hardesty and Damer till midnight. You're listening to ESPN New York tonight.
on 9870 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Lots for you to weigh in on. Are you ready to go back to watching games live at Madison Square Garden, at the Barclays Center, at the Nassau Coliseum? You know, Are Larry, you... I have one yes. question. Yes. If Is it 10% of net fans that go to that? Because that would only be like four people then, right? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, shots I just fired. love to get the all seven net fans riled up. Uh, you mean, so they've added a few. Yeah, a couple, a couple. <laughs> that star power alone, come on. Absolutely. Let's go to the phones, Gordon. 1-800-919-3776. Bruce in Flushing. Bruce, you're batting leadoff on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, Larry Gordon. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Bruce. Uh, three or four points about the Rangers, if I can. Number one, Larry, Ranger fans are not stupid. We know this is not a good hockey team, and we know there's flaws in this hockey team. But I'm going to ask you a question, Larry. Why did the Rangers sign Igor Shikurston? They signed him because they want him to be number one goaltender. They knew Henrik was going to retire or go to a different team. Mm-hmm. They signed him. He played well last year. He basically took over for Hank. And this year, Grant is off to a slow start. So I understand why Georgiev had to play a few games. But when Igor proved, he won the game a couple of games ago, played very well against the Islanders. Why wasn't he playing in this game? The idea is to win the game, to quote um, a former coach. Yes, Herman. Herman. And he still coaches like he's in college hockey. So one reason why Rangers fans criticize uh, the coach is because I, I don't, he's not coaching the way any coach, coach should do it. And so that's the reason why Rangers fans are upset. And I'll tell you something. I know, I mean, I, I've been following J.D. all my life. You know, as a player, as a broadcaster, I would not be surprised if the Rangers don't make the playoffs that the, that JD replaces him because the idea is to win, and 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 the way he's handling Igor is is not the right way. And I have another Rangers point after that. All right, so Bruce, I'm going to go out on the limb, and I'm going to say that David Quinn uh, knows hockey. And there's something that's going on either in practice or on the morning skates or whatever's happening that has got him concerned that he is still going back and forth with his goalkeepers, that he hasn't said, okay, this is Sesterkin's my guy or Georgiev's my guy, and there's a reason why he hasn't done it yet. They both have been inconsistent. They both, in his mind, nobody has grabbed a hold of that job, and he's waiting until they do. And part of it, you know – it's frustrating for the fans, I get. But I'm going to tell you something. Unless they cut down on their mistakes and they don't have the giveaways that they have where two of the goals came up in this game, it doesn't matter who's in, who's between the net. they got to do a better job in front of the net for their, for their goalkeeper. With all due respect, Larry, I think Igor has proven in the last three games that he's back to being a goaltender than he, that, that he was last year. And, and, and the reason uh, why he... He can't prove that he's back on form if you don't play him. And I think he's already shown the fact. You know, to me, you, you prove it in games, not in practice. And he proved already in, in the last three or four games that he's back to being um, um, Igor. My second point is Pittsburgh is going to rebuild. And I'm going to throw this out to my Ranger fans. And this might be a good question for a poll uh, one night. With Ranger fans... Give up some of the useful talent to get Sidney Crosby because there's a very good chance over the summer Crosby may be traded. Hmm. I'm sure the Ranger fans would be interested, Bruce. Thanks for the phone call. I'm sure they would be interested, but what are they giving up for Crosby? A. And B, I'd really be interested to hear that, Gordon, because I know Ranger fans despise Sidney Kidd. (laughs) <laughs> and again, I am not the person to ask, but it seems like everybody kind of uh, despises Syndicate. I mean, obviously outside of Penguin fans. Yeah, exactly. So, I, you know, and, and listen, I got it. Gordon, Yankee fans did not like Roger Clemens, but they accepted him. So, you Eventually. Know, I, I understand I mean, there was, there was a little while there where they weren't crazy about it, I think. Yeah. But- it took a little while, yeah. yeah well, once the fastball was humming, it was okay. He was our guy. 
Right. Well, that's you know the Yankee fans. They do have that thing about you know is the is he a true Yankee yet? You know, mm-hmm. did he earn his pinstripes yet? So. Has he had that Yankee moment? Right. I mean, think about Gi- Giambi had that. Oh, the, the Yankee moment. You gotta have. He gotta earn the pinstripes. The home run in the rain. That was yes, the Yankee moment the for Giambi. That was it. What, what a low bar that is to hurt, right. <laughs> like beating the Twins is now what earns you the pinstripes. Has Stanton had a Yankee moment yet, Gordon? Was the well, playoffs think, his Yankee in the, moment? In the postseason he did last this year, year. He had a couple yeah. of moments. Thank okay. God. He needed them. <laughs> he, yes, he did. You know, he, when he no sorely. fans were in the stands. I, I, maybe that wasn't a coincidence. <laughs> that might be an issue. Maybe the Yankees don't want fans in the stands yeah. when he comes back. <laughs> yeah, you know, everybody, turn your back. Turn your back. Don't look. <laughs> Go get one of those roast beef sandwiches that are delicious, those Lobel's things. Oh, my God. I can't wait for one of those. <laughs> um, listen, we need a sponsor. Oh, have you ever had one of those sandwiches they have I, at the Yankees? Yes, I have. Oh, I have my one, yes. God, those yes. things. I feel like George where he was inhaling the ice cream at the U.S. Open. I, 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 it's so good. It's delicious. It's fabulous. It's, it's fabulous. fabulous. It is. It is. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 98.7. Hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing tonight? Buddha. Hey, listen, um, with the mass situation, CDC, I, I really – I really didn't need them to tell me that it might be better to wear two masks. Kind of been doing that already. Uh, you know, greed, money, whatever the reason, you know, whatever your case is going to be in terms of business, that's going to always override, you know, public safety and things like that. Just as a fan, you got to keep yourself safe. If you feel comfortable going in there, I mean, you know, keep your stuff on, keep your mask on, you know, do what you got to do because they're eventually they're going to open up everything, whether it's the best thing for people or not. You know, it, 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 that stuff is winding down. Uh, a lot of that stuff is political, as we all know. Um, you know, with the next situation, I remember Kyrie Irving last week was talking, uh, maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I don't know how long ago. He, uh, he was uh, not talking to the media. Mm-hmm. He might want to take that strategy again. You know, some of the stuff that's coming out of his mouth sounds a little stupid. The warrior stuff and all the other nonsense. It sounds real stupid. If, if the Nets, you know, they they got a couple of issues. First of all, it's the same thing like I was talking about with the Jets where I wanted an established coach. And, and why you see what's going on with the Knicks is that, you know, um, Steve Nash is learning on the job. I mean, you know, that's going to be a work in progress. And if Durant is not going to be out there, you know, for some reason, whatever it is, they're resting and whatever, they're going to struggle. You know, they, they have good perimeter players, but, you know, they're going to struggle. I don't know if, if it's doable. I don't know what they have to offer. But if I was the Nets, I would really try to talk to the Knicks and see if um, we could get Mitchell Robinson. You know, it's not going to work out for him with the Knicks. You can clearly see that Thibodeau, and him, you know, it's just not a good match, man. You know, he's a goofy kid. You know, I just don't think Thibodeau's really interested in like going through the, you know, we're gonna we're gonna build him up. We're gonna we're gonna teach him. It's like you said the other night, Larry. Like you know, this guy's trying to win. And you know, in three years, if the Knicks are not winning, you know, it's, it'll be the same question: Will Tibbs even be here? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But in the his, in the history, um, not in the history, the spirit a Black History Month, you know, which is kind of every month for my house anyway. But um, there's a great documentary. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this before, but it's really, it's a really good watch. It's called Ray Robinson, Pound for Pound. It was a documentary made in 1970. Mm-hmm. I had watched it before, but I think Richard was talking to you guys. Richard from Manhattan yes. a couple of days mm-hmm. ago. You talked about Ray, Ray Robinson and, like, you know, we had the GOAT conversation and all that. Now you could clearly, I mean, it, like you said, Gordon, the other, um, yesterday, in the in the individual sports, it might be easier to judge who was the greatest of all time in those sports. I don't think you can make any argument that this guy wasn't the greatest fighter of all time. Even the documentary, they had Muhammad Ali was talking about him being the greatest. I mean, Floyd Patterson. They had uh, like multiple guys. Um, what's the guy's name? Jersey Joe Walcott. Mm-hmm. They showed, Legend. and it was a really good documentary. You know, it was it like um, step by step from the go- from um, the Golden Gloves when he came as the featherweight. Then when he turned pro, he went to the welterweight. Yeah. Then you know, put him up against the clock, the my friend. I got to run, but uh, thanks for the phone call. It, it's very true. And the other thing about him that made him so great was he was his own businessman. Chatting with you at one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Getting your thoughts on the Rangers, getting your thoughts on the Nets, getting your thoughts on whether you are going back inside to watch sports, concerts. You can. The venues are opening. 10% of the total amount of capacity 
Starting February 23rd, Knicks and Nets will have fans in the Garden and the Barclays Center, Gordon. Well, I don't know how many are going to show up right away, but I'm sure whatever the number is, I'm sure that that's the number they will get. And what's interesting about what you said is I think people will wait, see what the experience was like, because folks who went will call us and talk about, oh, I had to wait these long lines or the lines weren't so bad and whatnot. And then, you know, they'll try to, you know, be more uh, adventurous in making that. Plus, the other option is going to be how for a season ticket holder, you have to start calling, I guess, now (laughs) start booking your games. Maybe it's just my own perception. I get the sense of people that I know and that I come in contact with and and just being out and about from time to time. I don't think that there's going to be any shortage. Uh, I would be more interested if they opened up the entire building, how -hmm. many people would show up and would they sell out the entire building? I think that they would be a lot closer to selling out the entire building, even right now, even under these conditions, than they would be at getting 10%. Yeah, I agree. The demand will be high, I think. There's no question about it. Especially when the summer gets here, when the warm oh, weather please. gets here. Oh, You don't yes. have to worry about that for a little while. No, no, no. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Yeah. Uh, just following up on what Buddha was saying before we get back to the phones, Sugar Ray Robinson, Gordon, 175 wins, 110 by knockout, and 19 losses. You know, the thing, and look, I don't know that much about Sugar Ray Robinson. You know, I, oh. I read the, the, you know, the stories about sure. him and know a little bit here or there, but obviously didn't live through the time. The one thing you could say about him as opposed to Bill Russell or um, Babe Ruth, he was really in the heyday of boxing. Like, boxing was at maybe not necessarily its peak, but it was certainly the one of the most popular sports then and he was going up against the greatest competition in his time. You know, Babe Ruth, you really couldn't say that. Back when Bill nope. Russell was playing, well, how many teams were there, right? Were there 10 teams or something like that? I mean, yeah. you know, that's the one thing that he has going for him. And, and clearly, from people who do know, they will tell you he is the greatest one. You know, he's the greatest boxer of all time. So, um, you know, for, the, for the people that I have not seen, he is one that obviously stands out because of those couple of factors. And, Gordon, this was in an era where we weren't exactly waiting for the one or two pay-per-view events that you have a year. No. (laughs) No. The stat I remember about him was, like, when he was an amateur, like, they didn't even keep records of how many fights he had. But, like, his record was, like, 80 and 0 with – uh, 40 knockouts in the first round. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it's it was tremendous. something outlandish. And it, they, they just used that because they couldn't even keep count of all the fights that he had. And just think because of it being not regulated, even worse than what it is now, not regulated. You can imagine the backroom deals, throw oh, this fight, throw God, that fight, do then? this, do that. Oh, give me a break. So for him to be able to survive, he fought for like 25 years, Gordon. Yeah, that's crazy. It, you know, and, and just at that at that time, that's what boxing was. You retired, you came back, you you did some things. I mean, he hosted he hosted a TV show for a while. He was well. I mean, that's when bo- you know that's when the heavyweight champion of the world yes. was the heavyweight title, right? I mean, yeah. that was a big title to walk around with, and he was as as great as anyone. So yeah, no yeah, doubt I mean, about he it. He had to be just world famous. He was. He was a great great talent. Great talent. Back to the phones. Uh, Chris is in Huntington. Hey, Chris, you're next on 98.7. Hey, how you doing, guys? Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Hey, Chris. Hey, uh, yeah, so I just wanted to kind of, you know, circle back to the whole the garden reopening. Um, I'm actually a small business owner out on Long Island, and I wanted to get your take on something. You know, I actually opened my business last year just a month before the shutdown, so you can imagine the timing was fantastic. Um, but, I mean, you know, listen, we're, we're breaking even. We're holding our own. We're, we're in the food services business. Um, you know, we consider ourselves luckier than others, um, you know, just to be able to break even and, you know, stay afloat, right? So, you know, with regard to the, the garden reopening, um, I think it's awesome, you know, in a way that, you know, we're finally getting these little signs of normalcy returning. Um, you know, it is it is obviously a push in the, the right direction for everybody. Um, you know, comfort level from person to person is going to be different, right? But, I mean, I think the thing that I don't understand is um, just, you know, how restaurant and bar businesses aren't even getting a little bit of help with, you know, their capacity when they're actually the little guy. I mean, I remember there was like a stat about like 70% of the cases over the last few months was caused by like, you know, large like house gatherings and, um, you know, one and a half were caused by like restaurants and bars and stuff. So I'm trying to just 
get your take on, you know, how it makes sense to open the garden in like any capacity, um, but not show any signs of improving capacity for like, you know, the restaurants and bars that are, you know, ultimately hurting even more than, um, you know, the bigger spots. You know what I mean? So I'll, I'll hang up now, but I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Hi, right, Chris. Thanks for the call. Listen, I, I would say, Chris, that it's on its way because in New Jersey, they've extended uh, the, the hours for opening of restaurants. I think this is a signal that that's going to be the next step because once you have people going to games, they're going to want to be able to go someplace earlier. So I think that it's slowly coming. And uh, I hear what you're saying as a restaurateur, as a, you know, any type of business that you have, you're really concerned. You're like, what do we, what about us? When do we get our help coming through? But I, I, but I think Gordon, it's, it's not going to be long. I do think though that it's easier with the bigger buildings and the, and the, filtration systems and all the stuff they're talking about that I think they're putting that out there in the forefront first. But I do think restaurants will be right on in the not too distant future. I hope so, because, you know, I said before about the, a lot of the, you know, that make up the points and the, you know, the, they make the points don't matter anyway. A lot yeah. of the rules when it came to the restaurants never made any, you know, you, you see people having food outside in, basically indoors outside yeah. like what yeah. <laughs> what sense exactly. does that make <laughs> but you can't have that many but you can it, it just made no sense so i, I look i uh, you, we all want to support the the local businesses the local restaurants it, it's a very very difficult business the, the overhead and the, the profit margins are not great so I, i'm hoping that it gets back to normal as soon as possible i agree i agree robbie's in massachusetts hey robbie you're next on 98.7 Here's Hardestine for three. Yes, and the foul. How are you, Larry? How are you, Gordon? How are we doing? Uh, <laughs> just wanted to give you a little bit of a Marv introduction there. Um, I agree with Gordon and my father and my late friend, Art Russ Jr., who you knew also, Larry, would agree with that Sugar Ray Robinson was the greatest of all time. But I wanted to say something about the Rangers. Good to hear from Bruce from Flushing, by, by the way, because he and I have been calling the same stations for 35 years, and I'm a diehard Ranger fan like Bruce is. Uh, first of all, about Sisterkin, uh, yeah, I would play him and make him the number one goalie. But my biggest problem with David Quinn is why is Artemi Panarin playing on a second line when Mika Zibanejad is your number one center and Artemi Panarin is your number one forward? I don't like Ryan Strom. I don't think he's a good enough center to play with Panarin. And I just want to get Mika going. The other thing is the question that Bruce asked about Ranger fans about wanting Sidney Crosby. Would I do that? Sidney Crosby is still a great player as much as I can't stand him, but I would go out and I would get Sidney Crosby if I could for a young package. The Rangers have too many young players right now, and we don't know a lot of these players. A lot of these guys could be minor league players. We don't know. Like Buchnevich to me, I have no idea, guys, why the Rangers are so fascinated with Buchnevich. Please explain to me why he's playing on a top line. Last year he scored 15 goals. He's just not that good. And I hate to see Panarin playing with Strom. I'd rather see him playing with Zibanejad to get him going. And uh, the other thing is, too, like I said the other night, the Rangers need to get some strength down low. But they played a good game tonight. And by the way, guys, I hate the three-on-three. And I wanted you guys to give um, some thoughts on what the three-on-three is because no other sport does that. No other sport takes players off the ice or takes players off the court or takes players off the field. I think it's a ridiculous novelty. And I would rather see a team play for five minutes and have a tie. So I'll get your thoughts and thanks. Appreciate it. As always. All, right, Robbie. All right, Robbie, thanks for the phone call. But, Robbie, that's the reason why they did this, because they didn't want ties anymore yeah. <laughs> in the NHL. They just didn't. And so uh, that's why they did this. Listen, it's, it's, it's wide open hockey. It should be, it should be good. It, it should be better. It's just tonight when you look at this, it was just one mistake. I mean, Fox makes the great play, Gordon, uh, in the overtime to save a goal. The Rangers have to break the other way. They have a pass. It get, it's stolen, and now there's a break going the other way. That's the chance you take with the wide open ice. That, but that's exciting, and most fans usually like it, you know. And then you go to the shootout after the tie. So, I mean, they didn't want ties. So, you know, this this is what they thought is the next best thing. But you know, listen, at least you're not getting a runner on second base in extra innings and oh starting my out. God, I mean, geez, <laughs> Louise, why'd you have to bring that up? I'll say this. I mean, again, I'm not the biggest hockey guy, but yeah. I, I think that the, the three on three I like better than the shootout. Like, I just don't like deciding a game that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That to me seems like a novelty, but maybe that novelty is, is wearing into other sports as, as baseball 
you know, let's uh, catch a ball in our hat and see if we can put some points on the board that way. Or maybe maybe they can bring out like the magic eight ball. And if you hit a home run with the magic eight ball, it's worth three runs. Yeah. Well, listen, keep what, in mind, these next? these are baseball's best ideas. Imagine right. what the worst ideas are going to be. <laughs> what they were. These are what? the ones that they approved. Right. Like imagine what the ones that they threw away were. I can't imagine because they approved this one. Yeah. I can't imagine. Maybe, maybe it was the bases loaded. <laughs> yeah, we'll start with the bases loaded, and everybody has to uh, use their other hand to throw. Oh, my God. Oh, that's funny. And, and I'm, not, I'm not even, like, the biggest purest guy in the world. And you don't like that. That doesn't oh, make any my sense. Oh, God, the runner on second base and but you got seven, seven inning, inning doubleheaders. Seven inning doubleheaders, but no oh, DH. Oh, my God. But no can't, DH. I can't imagine no what universal they're going to do DH. next. No, well, I, can you imagine in the National League, you, you've got your big Trevor Bauer. Can you imagine Dave Roberts looking like, oh, my God, Trevor Bauer's up to bat? He could have a, I hate to do this to you, Gordon, a Ching Ming Wong incident. Yeah, yeah. Coming I around mean, that, third. Tanaka got pulled two hamstrings. I am not somebody who, I, I consider myself somewhat old at this point, but I like to think of myself as a younging, younger thinking person. So I don't yes. get tied up to the nostalgia of yesteryear. So if you're you know, you're hoping that the Sunday doubleheaders come back, it's over. It's not. People just don't have that kind of time to, to invest in the ballpark for two games on Sundays, and the players, it, it's probably not good for them either. No. So that's gone. And at some point, I know that they're going to have to fight over every nickel. The DH in both leagues is the only thing that makes sense. They're not going to get yep. rid of it in the American League. Nope. So it should be in the National League. And somebody, a caller brought it up to me a couple of years ago. It would be like in the NFC, you have a punter. And in the AFC, you're not allowed a punter. You just have to pull a guy out of the stands and, and, and see if he can punt the ball. It makes no sense that the two leagues have different rules. It doesn't. And I've said that forever. Forever. Oh. And, and it really hurts the Mets field. this year. If they don't end up putting it in, it really kind of hurts their lineup. It does. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Because now where, where, am I, where am I playing Smith? Where are you playing Alonzo? Where am I playing Alonzo? I got to play Alonzo. Mm, <laughs> I don't no. have a choice. Tom Smith might be better. Yeah, I know, but I got to play Alonzo. It's my guy. At Carl Simcoe says, Gordon, David Quinn is squeezing every ounce of performance out of his squad, which is limited in talent at best. Who on the team scares you? One, maybe two guys, and those guys are presently underperforming. Last thing wrong here is the coach. Get real. It's always a debate. It's always a debate. It's fun. Well, look, I, I again, I preface it by every time, and I think I responded to him by saying, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'm not sitting watching Ranger games. I just know – Listening to the shows, listening to the fans, listening, you know, reading Twitter, mm -hmm. that it seems like every time something goes wrong with the Rangers, they're blaming Quinn's the coach fault. for this thing or that thing. So it's Quinn's fault. It's Quinn's fault. So There's no doubt about I, it. I don't know. It's not me. I'm not saying anything. No. I'm just pointing out. I'm about bringing people together, Larry. You know that. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you've done a great job at doing that so far. Your reputation precedes you. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're still talking about uh, whether you're going back to see games now that you're able to here in New York beginning on February 23rd. But you better get there early because, you know, we've got uh, 10%. So you have to make sure you get your calls in. Also, we're talking about the uh, Nets and also the Rangers. And now we're going to turn our attention to the NFL mock draft. I know that DCR, DPHO, Canty, and Rothenberg will be talking about that. They'll do that tomorrow morning. They begin at 5. Damian Woody, yep, will join the boys at 7 a.m. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin at 8. Chris Canty at 8. Denny Hamlin talking a little auto racing at 8.15. And Drew Pearson, who, Gordon, even though he's a Dallas fan, had a lot of respect for him, he should be, even though he's a Dallas fan and used to play for the Cowboys, he should have been in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, he was very upset about not getting in previously. Yes. So good for him that, uh, you know, righting a wrong that uh, finally getting in after years and years of waiting. Yeah, definitely. So he will join KJZ tomorrow leading into Greeny. And, of course, you'll hear the dulcet tones of Gordon Damer in the morning as well here on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon, I, I, I have a big question for you as I look. The first I thought about you immediately when I saw McShay's new mock draft. Okay. Because he's got – the only thing that's the same with this draft and the first one, I think, that jumped out to me was Trevor Lawrence at number one. And his name is at the top. And his name is at the top. And Tom McShay's name is on it, yes. 
A lot of, <laughs> lot of changes. Lots of changes. Number two, he's got Zach Wilson. If the Jets take a quarterback at two, he believes that they're going to take Zach Wilson. The interesting thing for me here was number three, he believes that Carolina's going to play oh, Let's Make a Deal with Tom You. Oh, I love McShay. He believes that Carolina's going to play Let's Make a Deal with You and Carolina's going to take Trey Lance. My question to you is, uh, what would you take? What would you do? And then, obviously, that they draft eight. And he's giving you Jalen Waddle, the wide receiver out of Alabama. I, look, I do my mock drafts a little differently. And I've never done one before. But I, I feel like I have a system in place about putting players with teams that I think make sense. And it's not about going one through ten or one through five. So I think what I'm going to do here, Larry, over the next couple of weeks as we kind of get more closer to the draft, I'll give you a couple of guys with a couple of teams, and I'm not going to change them. Now, I'm not going to give you them all at one time, okay? but I'll give you two right now off the top that I think I I will lock in. I will not change from this direction. A Damer mock draft. Yeah. The first pick that I would say, and this is the big one first off, Mm -hmm. I think the Jaguars are going to draft Trevor Lawrence. All right, so that's the first one right out of the I am locking that in. That is my final answer. The other one that's very popular right now mm-hmm. is that the Bengals are going to get Penny Sewell, the offensive lineman, right after yes. watching the, the quarterback Joe Burrow go down. Their offensive line is a joke. Mm-hmm. They need to get offensive linemen. Penny Sewell is the best offensive lineman, or at least the highest graded offensive lineman in this draft. I don't think that is the way they are going to go. Really? I think the Bengals are going to try to recreate the LSU offense, and they will select Jamar Chase at number five. So I'm penciling him in. I'm not. No, excuse me. I'm putting a pen to paper. This is not pencil. This is not going to be mock draft 2.0, 3.0. Those are the two that I am locking in right now, and I will tell you for sure those two will happen. Uh, any chance that Kansas City will be trying to make a deal? well they certainly they could certainly use a couple of guys now and the uh, the point that you brought up about the Dolphins moving down with Carolina I would love that Uh, to Mm -hmm. me if you're in a position like the Dolphins coming off a good season you don't really you're not in the market for a quarterback unless it's a huge upgrade you're not drafting a quarterback at three Mm -hmm. you're getting guys that you if you pick at three you pick at eight you're probably going to be in the same kind of guy that you're looking at why not move down and, and use that pick that you lucked into kind of in the trade with the Texans. And that, that pick should be paying you dividends forever. Mm-hmm. Like the Patriots, they have picks where they take one pick and they move down five spots and they get another pick. And that pick, they, the following year, they take it and they move it. Yeah. And it's constantly this churning of picks. So if, I would, if the Dolphins are smart, which is still up for debate, <laughs> I would take that pick. Absolutely. If Carolina calls me and says, you want to move up from eight to three, okay but you're going to give me your number one next year and you're going to give me a number two this year. And then Mm -hmm. I have, I would have five picks in the top 50 this year. And the dolphins, the dolphins are going to take one of those Alabama receivers. I am positive. of that. I just don't know which one they're going to want. All right. So once again, um, Todd McShay says you will pick up an extra first rounder and a second rounder. Nice. Love it. And and he has you taking Jalen Waddle, but obviously, you know, Devontae Parker is available too. And, and Devontae so, Smith. We have Devontae, Devontae Parker. Right, Devontae, He's not Devontae right. Smith. Right. So if we could trade those guys for one for the other and get Waddle, then I'm really in favor of you're, it. You're, you're ecstatic, right? Yes. And and obviously, Waddle caught passes from Tua. Yes. So they've already got a little chemistry. That that would be that would be nice. I, I'm also of the belief. I have not I've not researched this enough. This is something mm-hmm. that I've read a couple of different places. I don't know if it's for sure, but I mm-hmm. believe in his time with Alabama, mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle was like Tua's best friend. Forty eight passes. Yeah. I, I believe that they were very, very tight together. So yeah. I think that they there's a very good chance that they are going to draft one of those two uh, receivers. If they stay at three Mm-hmm. Then I think it's probably Smith. If they move down, I think it's probably Waddle. Yeah, yeah. So you like that? You, I love it. You love, love it. it. Get me as many weapons as possible, as many picks as possible, and let's restock this thing. Uh, Zach Wilson over Justin Fields? 
you know, I have not, you know what the problem is in this type of thing for someone like me who is not sitting around mm-hmm. on a Saturday watching BYU? Yeah, exactly. I see, I see Justin Fields games because they're at Ohio State. So I see him fairly regularly. Right. And I see the warts with him. The BYU kid, all I get to see is the highlights. So he looks amazing, right? Like if you took <laughs> yeah. out all the, if you just clipped out the highlights and played that, you're like, man, oh man, this guy, how is he not the first pick in the draft? So uh, I can understand. I, the one thing I would say about Wilson is I know he's listed as 6'3". Yeah. I don't know, man. He just looks small to me. And he I does. like a big quarterback. I like a guy who's got some size on him. I, you cannot tell me. Pocket. Yeah, I, you can't tell me that that guy's the same size as Sam Darnold. No, Sam no, Darnold no, looks no. much bigger than that guy. He does. He does. The reason that, and, and watching McShay, he believes that, he feels that Wilson uh, pre- processes information a little faster than Fields. That was his logic. So he'll be able to read the defense and figure, okay, this is what I got to do uh, a little faster than what Fields has been able to do. So, uh, listen, I, I'm – I'm still interested in what the Jets are even going to do. Are they are they going to take this kid? Are they going to keep their pick? Are they going to trade down? I mean, what are they going to do? That that's the fascinating thing for me because you keep hearing this. Well, there's you know they're, they're listening to offers about Sam Darnold. Does that mean he's not coming? I still believe that he's the he's the answer for them. Okay, if we can't do anything else, we'll keep him. <laughs> we know what we got. We'll keep him for a year. Either we'll trade down, we'll pick a quarterback late, or we'll sign somebody else, or, or if, if we can't get uh, Deshaun Watson. And I'm still trying to figure out what Houston's going to I mean, I understand what they're saying, and they should continue to say it. Gordon, I, they should continue to say it. We're not trading him. We're not trading him. We're not trading him. But eventually, they're going to have to make a decision because and we talked about how it's going to go to trading camp and so on and so forth. But if they want to get a draft choice, they're going to have to make a move before then. It does kind of also feel like what's the overwhelming feeling about this offseason? It's that all these quarterbacks are going to be on the move. This guy's mm-hmm. going to go here. That guy, we already got Matt Stafford. Is Deshaun Watson going here? I don't know, man. I just feel like there's a scenario where none of them go anywhere, right? Like yeah. the Eagles finding a place for Carson Wentz is, is not going to be e- – like who would take him at this point? <laughs> that contract off of that season? Yeah. I love how, well, the Eagles haven't gotten a satisfactory offer yet. Well, yeah, obviously, because they haven't traded him yet, right? Like, as soon as they get a satisfactory offer, they're moving off of him. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that there's a possibility he doesn't go anywhere. I think the Watson thing, as we've kind of touched on, they're not doing anything quickly, whether or not they do anything for sure. So that might actually leave the Jets in a pretty good spot, because if you remove a couple of quarterbacks from the marketplace – Mm-hmm. obviously the demand is still there and the supply is not. So that yeah. works out well for the Jets, either trading Sam or trading the pick at number two and moving down. Yeah, yeah. They're, it's it's rare, I think, for Jet fans to be in the position where they're almost in – I'm not going to say they can't lose, but they're in a pretty good no, winning I'm, situation. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that, Larry. You think people are mad at me at times. Boy, they'll really be mad at you. Don't say the Jets. They how could they ever blow this? You know, so I'm not going to say that. But they're in a they're in a very favorable position, more than they've been in the past, at a position that they really need. Yes. Well, this, this has to be the off season where they decide it once and for all. The Jets, I have them taking Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback, who after studying all the tape of these top prospects at the quarterback spot, I think based purely off of film that it's Lawrence, then there's a little gap, then Zach Wilson, then there's a gap, and then it's Trey Lance from North Dakota State and Justin Fields from Ohio State is that third tier, if you will. Uh, But I have Wilson going too, and the interesting part here is it could be to the Jets if New York is able to move Sam Darnold and get some draft capital for him, maybe a third-round pick this year or first or second-round pick next year. But if they don't move Darnold, then I think they wind up moving out of that spot is what I should say. And in that case, it could be a team like Carolina moving up from eight to two to go get Zach Wilson. So moving Wilson to two was more about Wilson being clearly the number two quarterback prospect in this class. And if it's not the Jets, it could be another team moving into that spot to go get him. Todd McShay on KJZ. Yeah, Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin. You're listening to ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon, uh, Todd McShay continued that quarterbacks will also be taken at three and four. 
Then after Wilson, I've got Trey Lance from North Dakota State and Justin Fields from Ohio State as the next two quarterbacks off the board. But Atlanta could look for the future of that position, and it could be Justin Fields at that spot if he's still available at number four. And if not, Atlanta moves down. And another team like uh, San Francisco, possibly Dallas, possibly Chicago at 20, Indianapolis at 21. We have to see where all the dominoes fall with the veteran quarterbacks between now and the draft. A lot of movement, a lot of the Gordon, I can't remember quarterbacks moving like this in the offseason. I mean, this is going to be one of the – the NFL has always been – has slowly become a 24 – a 12-month, 24-hour sport to cover. I mean, now it's, it's, it's insane with the amount of veteran quarterbacks that, as you mentioned, could be on the move but may not be on the move, promo code Gordon. Yeah, I, I just feel like that that's the sense right now. So it always feels like there's something that comes along and then whatever the prevailing wisdom is, it doesn't turn out to be the case. So, well, look, maybe Wentz does get moved, right? Adam Schefter says it's going to happen soon. And he's a very good, uh, he's got a pretty good track record of nailing these kind of things. But the Watson one, I do kind of feel like it might take a long time, even maybe past the draft, and that that situation could get ugly. And then, of course, the question is about the Jets. I think it plays out to the Jets' favor either way Mm -hmm. in terms of where the market is. If there are a lot of quarterbacks on the market, obviously that doesn't help. But if if there's not, if it's Wentz, if it's all these guys that have an obvious pretty major flaw that would make you a little leery about going out and making a a deal for someone like that, uh, I think that plays into the Jets' hands either at the second pick or trading Darnold. Before we get back to the phones, we can't leave out the Giants. Kyle Pitts, tight end out of Florida, is whom McShay thinks the Giants will take in. Listen, they could use a, a very consistent, available tight end. I love Evan Ingram. I, I think he's extremely talented. He's a guy that's got uh, good speed and size. He's he's tough for your – he's too much speed for a safety. He's too big for your corners. Uh, but he just is not available, and he can't – in big moments, he drops the football, Gordon. You're going to have to move on from him eventually. And not just drop the football, basically hands the football to the other team a lot of times. And uh, that, that was, I mean, it seemed like a weekly thing. You could have sponsored it every week the, with the Giants this year. Pro bowler, Evan Ingram. Yeah, that's right. The, the, pit, the kid Pitts, I've seen a little bit of him because I'm really into the draft this year because the Dolphins are up so high. Mm-hmm. Watching highlights of him, it seems hard to imagine that he won't be a very good player. Mm. It just he looks like just a matchup nightmare. Now, sometimes those things don't work out, but it's just hard to imagine watching him play that he will not be a very, very good player at the NFL level. And that that's what the offseason to me for the Giants has to be about is is surrounding Daniel Jones with weapons. Now, you're going to get Barkley back. So that's a big one. But I do think you have to find someone who can catch the football and create some separation and give him larger windows to throw the ball to because that was something even when the Giants were healthy last year you know they had defender their receivers could not create that separation they were right on top of them so they have to this is a big year for Daniel Jones you got to go out and say you know what you got to answer the questions and here are the weapons that you have to answer the questions with so the Kyle Pitts one that might uh, that I think that would be a good pick if that's the way the Giants end up going if and I don't know if you're able to judge from what you've seen. If he is a decent blocker, that would be great for them because then he doesn't have to get off the field. I have not seen I've not seen him block too much. He looks much more like a you know like one of the the leaner kind of mm-hmm. you know a wide receiver in a tight end's body. But I mean, can really kind of do everything catching the football. I've not seen his block. I have to go back and kind of look at that a little bit more. But in terms of an offensive weapon who can kind of stretch the field, can make catches over the middle. You could definitely see this guy. You could envision him being like a ten-year pro in the NFL wow. and being a high-level player at that level. So, um, look, Giants could use some defense as well, right? They could always sure. use you know another pass rusher. Yeah, uh, probably could use you know some help on that side of the ball too. But I think this offseason it has to be. And here's the one thing about Gettleman in his short time here, he has pretty much telegraphed what the Giants are going to do before they do it in the draft, right? Barkley, it was a well-known thing. They were ta- we were having conversations about whether that was the right move even before it happened. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Jones, there were rumors that, that they were the team that liked Daniel Jones. You thought maybe at 18 or whatever the second pick was, but they took him at six. And then, um, you know, they, 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 it's, it seems like Gettleman has no problems letting you know the direction they are going to go before they do it. Yeah. He's just, no secrecy. <laughs> 
Not a lot. Now, look, in those years, he was drafting a little bit higher up, so it didn't really right. hurt for them to let you know. So Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. This is, as you mentioned, this is a big year for Daniel Jones. I mean, you know, Huge. He, he, he took, in a lot of ways, he took a step back, and I'm not sure. Now, look, is he going to be more familiar, more comfortable in the Jason Garrett offensive scheme now? I mean, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. And obviously, as you mentioned, Saquon Barkley does give him – it makes his play action just – you have to honor the play action now. I mean, he, with him being able to run the ball and catch the ball out of the backfield, it is. It's just will, – will, will his receivers stay healthy and will that offensive line hold up because – I, he's not going to be able to run the, the the RPO this year, Gordon. I don't think it's going to be as effective as it was last year when they sprung it on people. Yeah, and look, I, you would like to think that you're not going to have to run it that often if you have Saquon Barkley back, right? Daniel Jones' best games have come with Saquon Barkley as being a huge focus of that offense. So yeah. to get him back, it's almost like when they say in baseball, like that's making the trade that uh, that you didn't need to make because you mm-hmm. just get the guy back from injury. Getting Saquon Barkley back, assuming he's close to 100% again, that is a huge upgrade to the offense and a weapon that Daniel Jones clearly needs to have. Now you got to go out and find a couple of guys that can catch the football as well. Richard's in Manhattan. Hey, Richard, you're next on 98.7. Larry Gordon, I hate to disagree. I thought the giant running game was pretty good last year. I mean, I don't think they suffered that much without Barkley. I mean, Barkley's better, but yeah, they, I mean, they Barkley, did a good job Barkley last year. Got, I mean, half the year they could. They, I mean, like the first the four season. or five games, it took them a while to get going. The running game. Uh, all right, Drew and the Pearson. The offensive line too. Yeah, Drew Pearson, Larry Gordon. He was every bit as good as Lynn Swan. He just wasn't as eloquent, and, you know, he didn't have the uh, personality, Lynn Swan. He was the best wide receiver on the best team in football for at least eight years. He was great, and uh, there's no reason that this guy's not in the Hall of Fame. And talking about Lynn Swan, Larry, I got one for you. What athlete, a little older than Lynn Swan, was exact duplicate of Lynn Swan? Great athlete, great ball player, and then became a big politician. I, I Came about know. five years before Lynn Swan. Don't know. Who who would that be? Dave Bing. Never <laughs> became the mayor of Detroit. Right? Dave Bing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and, he I bet, a, and he was just as good, good as Lynn Swab. But You know, I have older friends that told me if Bing would have came to New York instead of Frazier, he would have been every bit as good as Frazier in New York. He would have been just as big. But anyway, uh, you know, uh, uh, on the Michael K. show, they had Steve yes. Young today. And, you know, mm-hmm. they were talking about his virtues and all. And I was thinking, you know, he's a lawyer. And I was thinking about what athlete went into law after a great career. And became, you know, really big in his second career. Now, you can go to Byron Wizard White, who became a Supreme Court justice. But I got a guy who was even a better athlete, Hall of Fame football player, and became a big federal judge. Do you know what I'm talking about, Larry Gordon? Alan Great Page? football player, Hall of Famer. Alan Page? I think Alan there you go, Alan yeah. Page, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry, we've got to mention Mary Wilson dying. I oh, mean, she was the yeah. founding member of the Supremes. Yeah. She, you know, when she was 15 years old, they started that group before the Supremes, and she was great. But I'll tell you one thing. As a kid growing up in the early 60s, the music that I remembered, the combination song and dance, that was the biggest thing that I remembered, Larry. Mm-hmm. 1961, Chubby Checker came in with the twist and the peppermint twist. Man, did that take the New York City by storm. When that music came out, I never forgot on the radio, on TV, on all the shows, the twist, the peppermint twist, Chubby Checker, the biggest thing I've ever seen. That was huge. And it just brought back memories when I saw that Mary Mary Wilson appeared. One last thing, Larry Mm -hmm. Gordon. You know, they always talk about the rise of pro football. And what was, you know, and they always... Uh-oh. We're losing you, Richard. Uh-oh. You there? I'll get back to you guys tomorrow. Okay. Right. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for checking in. His phone uh, all of a sudden he became the, the school teacher from uh, Charlie Brown there for a I know. Just died <laughs> I know. Was, you know the I coolest know. thing that I found out about Chubby Checker? Mm. You know how he – obviously it's not his actual name, Chubby Checker. I didn't know this. And it makes sense as soon as you hear it. He was a huge Fats Domino fan. 
Ah, yeah. So instead of Fats Domino, he became Chubby Checker. I thought that that was fantastic. I never, even, I never even put it together until I somebody told me, and then I was like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. It does make sense. It really does. It really does. You know, Gord, we we've lost it's just a bunch of folks over the past couple of days. I mean, yes. You talk about Mary Wilson, Tom uh, Konchowski, who is a, a tremendous basketball scout, who was um, also I served with him on the uh, New York Sports Hall of Fame committee. Uh, he passed away a couple of days ago. We've just had a number of people that we've lost over this past over this past week. And and Gordon, it I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but it just seems as though since this pandemic has gone, it it's not just the numbers from the pandemic, but it's just numbers of people, of relatives, of family members, of actors and actresses. Cicely Tyson, we lost a couple of days ago. It just seems like maybe I'm I'm become more aware of it, Gordon. I don't know what it is, but it just seems as though it just seems to be a rash of people leaving this earth over the past it, year. It, I mean, it, it, you keep waiting, right? We we're talking about getting our lives back to normal, going to sporting events. That's another aspect where it just feels like there's no level of normalcy at all, right? Because it's not uncommon to have a, a wave where it's like a couple of famous people die in a row mm -hmm. you know that, that sometimes happens but you keep thinking you know between not just famous people but just people in your own life yeah all right you know this is now happens you know time heals all wounds and then it, ju it just keeps happening it just seems like there's no there's never a point where you're like okay we've we've gotten past this point or we're, we're past this now it just seems to keep popping up every couple of weeks. So, yeah, it's very, very odd. I don't know if it's that we're more focused on it now. Maybe we're getting older, so maybe it may, you know, mm, <laughs> it may be some more of an impact. But, yeah, I mean, it, is, uh, it has been the last 12 months. It has been uh, off the charts. I mean, I need a timeout. <laughs> I mean, yes. I, we, we all need a breather. I mean, I'm just saying. It's just been, it's going this downright depressing. It is. It's hard. It's really hard to keep, you know, yourself up and encouraged. And you know, when you, it's to the point now that that thank God there's games on that I can because with all the stuff that's going on, I, I don't even want to look at news. I, I'm just like, I just please. I mean, it does feel like it pops up all the time, though, right? I mean, everywhere. Just, you're just sitting there and you're you're you know going through Twitter, looking. You know, for me, I'm looking through mock drafts and everything yeah, else, yeah. and then the, the real world pops up, and uh, you got to just deal with it. It's just. You, you, we're all talking about getting back to normal. That's one thing we'd like to be able to get back to normal with. Absolutely. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.